What's good, everyone? This is the Puerto Rican powerhouse Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we are going back to one of my old favorites, one of our old favorites, really, the Star Wars Disney Plus exclusive series, The Mandalorian, season two, episode one, titled Chapter Nine. So pretty much we come back to where we left off where mando has to take back the child to his his or her proper planted species people whatever you want to use the term back to where the child belongs we still don't know the child's name or you know if it's a replicant or clone or you know child of yoda or whatnot we just know that it's a child that needs to go back to its parents or its peoples so we start off with the mando and the child walking down a back alley for some forsaken reason and it's a dark neighborhood it looks very dangerous very shady territory um it's not somewhere you would take a child to begin with um because it's uh a f they're heading into a fight club the bouncer lets them in and Mando says he's looking for Gore Karef in the underground fighting arena. And he needs information because this guy apparently knows where to find other Mandalorians so they can, you know, I don't want to say essentially smuggle the child back home, but safely transport the child home so he or she is not uh, kidnapped once again for more money. So here we have where Gore, um, he's, he's kind of one of those people that has like a, what do you call it, a... He has a fight club. I don't know if it's his or he just is a patron there, but essentially he's there all the time. He sits front row and Mandel's just there, sits right next to him, and they're about to discuss business. And Gore's people's culture is like, hey, before we start talking business, that's a little bit rude. Let's just sit down and enjoy the entertainment. This is a fight club. Let's watch the fight. Then Gore actually has the nerve to ask the Mandalorian, you think this is a proper place to bring a child? And he's like, listen, he seemed much worse elsewhere, which is very true. This kid is shocked for life, <laughs> but okay, so this is where Gore interjects. He kills a fighter with a gun and just, it's a setup. The whole episode essentially away, so, or the whole scenario actually is where Gore was setting up the Mandalorian for his best car armor. Mandalorian got some fresh drip after doing some missions and was able to get brand new armor. And everybody wants that best car because it is expensive and apparently it keeps appraising over time. So it is not only just a resource, it is an investment because once he retires, he could technically sell his best car and buy a plot of land. Because this stuff seems like it's like platinum. Because if people are going to willing to kill him for it, mind you, they know who this Mandalorian is. He's what I dubbed the Star Wars Batman because taking him down is not easy. Mando is a G. He's not putting up with anyone's nonsense and he's taking names and kicking butt in the process. And here we have where this guy who's like a smuggler, gangster, whatever, is trying to shake down Mando. That ain't happening. That's not happening. Okay, so here we go where a fight breaks out and Mando just destroys everyone. There was even one of the fighters, the one that survived, does a Tope Suicida, a Tarkin, and he just, poof, he just, uh, hits the, the floor and hard. And Mando just does this thing with the little missiles where they uh, seek and destroy it away. And this is where Gore gets shook because like, oh, oh my God, they're gone, oh gosh. So Gore tries to flee and escapes from the back of the alley of the Fight Club where Mando ties him up Batman style. I'm serious, Mandalorian is Star Wars version of Batman. This guy's just such a 
you know, badass character. He's just so uh, dark, mysterious, but also has a heart. He's somewhat of a quiet type, you know, hero type. He's like Clint Eastwood in uh, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. He's it's very much the st standard uh, hero in a in a western. So this is what I dig about Mando. He's just just you know all business and no play. So there we go, Igor tries to escape. So, and then he tells him where to get to. He tells him you gotta go to Tatooine to find the other Mandalorian. And then this is where the Mando's like, well, I've been to Tatooine and there's been no other Mandalorian. He's like, listen, they might not have been when you were there, but they found the Mando now. Go and seek him. So instead of tying him loose, this guy was ready to kill the Mando because he knows if he unties him, he's gonna chase him. He sh shoots the lights of like the street light and I guess some sort of nocturnal beasts start mauling and attacking in a pack at Gore. So he gets his just desserts, as we say. So in Tatooine, Mando seeks this man, and um, he doesn't know where to start. So Mando goes to his mechanic, who uh, he needs help, and she thinks this is the same mechanic that I babysat the child beforehand, one with the funny little robots. And she's pretty much saying, like, Oh, am I gonna watch the child again? Like she's looking forward to babysitting this time, which is just terrible to me. So he's like, no, it's not that. I need information on the other Mandalorian on this planet right now because I gotta go find him because I need him for whatever reason. And she gives him information and he's to seek the Mandalorian who can help him get the child home safely. In a sm and he's in a small town on Tatooine. So she guides him in the right direction. So he arrives at the town. It's like a ghost town kind of, but there's people there. It's just a very quiet, broken down, you know, neighborhood. You know, it's in the middle of the desert. Nothing spectacular, just a run down little town. So he arrives at the canteen and he's there. He asks for a drink and sits down. And oh no, he, he parks his speeder, leaves a child in the back of the seat like no one's gonna take him. Like, like, guess you know like is it responsible to leave a child outside of a bar as you're walking in yes but usually you do that in a vehicle that has i don't know uh four doors not a <laughs> not a motorcycle speeder bike whatever but it's mando he don't care he could take care of anybody so he goes in there the bartender tells him the only mandalorian he's seen around here that or anybody that resembles a mandalorian meaning anybody that looks like him with the armor is the marshal so now we're assuming the marshal is a mandalorian so he invites him for a drink the Mandal the other mandalorian who walks in and get this boba fett's armor i'm like this can't be boba fett but then he sits down and takes off his helmet and it's obviously not boba fett now if you are a star wars super fan like i am you know what Boba Fett looks like. He looks like the same actor to play Jango Fett back in the uh, prequel films, who is the actor known as Tamora Morrison. And he's a very famous actor because recently he was just in the Aquaman film as Aquaman's dad. And he's been around for the last decade or so, as far as I know, in a lot of smaller roles, but in a lot of films. And this guy, you know, again, Clone Wars, so Boba Fett being a clone of him, would look exactly like him, especially age-wise, he'd be the same age. So this, they can bring back the exact same actor. I mean, he's a little older than Jango Fett was back then. I mean, we're talking technically Boba Fett in the series would have been in his 30s, not as old as the actual actor. But CGI, man, they do de-aging in Marvel and Star Wars. They could do that in no issue. This is modern technology we're dealing with. The future, we are in the future. We can make anybody old look young. It is the magic of special effects. So he looks to him like, I know this guy's not a Mandalorian, 
he, Mando's like, he would not take his helmet off. So now he's angry. He's pissed. He's like, I need you to get that armor back. Because, again, armor in the Mandalorian culture is tied to you. When it is taken off, either you retired or you died. And obviously, he's assuming this man killed uh, Boba Fett. It doesn't matter if he knows who Boba Fett is. It's the it's the honor behind it. I need to take this armor back to our people to put you know put his body to rest this way, you know, like a proper funeral. And the guy's like, there's no chance at all. But he invites him for a drink, and he's like, listen, just want to do this in front of the kid. And again, Mandel brings it up again. The kid has seen worse, and they're gonna have this crazy standoff. But as he's uh, as he's ready to do the standoff, old Western movie style, a earthquake erupts and they just get distracted. It's a stampede of what they call this crate dragon, which is this gargantuan shark-looking, sand shark-looking thing. I mean, it's essentially a giant uh, gargantuan worm, right? But it, you know, it is crazy large. I mean, it ate a Bamfa in one bite whole. And it, you even saw, this is very gory for Star Wars. You saw the guts flying in the air. Like, this is for kids? There's no way kids can watch this. Like, they're really pushing the Mando's uh, gore limits here. Cause that's, that's a lot of guts and blood just flying everywhere. So I know this is definitely key. Mandalorian, I get it. It skews more towards young adults. But um, Disney Plus, they're trying to push family-friendly stuff. This is not family-friendly, so I'm thinking they're reimagining what Disney Plus is going to be. They're definitely going to have a young adult section coming down the line. Because I've heard rumors as well of like Hulu being absorbed by Disney Plus. So maybe this is how they slowly merge the two where they can have, like Netflix, they have the adults and the child sections of Netflix and preteens, and it just breaks it down. So Mando definitely skews more older than it would younger because even the script is too uh, strong for, without profanity, it's too strong for small kids to just get and get it into really because it's dealing with a lot of adult topics. Even though you can see it as a kid so like it, you'd appreciate it more with a more mature mind. Somebody like in their teens and up. So this is where we have the situation, a real situation. The Marshal wants to break a deal with the Mandalorian. He's like, if you can kill the monster, I will gladly return his armor to you. Because this monster is obviously swimming in the sand through the town, eating up all the cattle, God forbid any of the people. And he's like, this thing is the biggest pain in the butt besides any actual raiders. He's like, this is getting ridiculous. I can't do it alone. You see how big it is. If we, us, you and I combine forces, we can take it down. Which is true. So Mando agrees because that's easy for him he's like i just gotta kill that thing sure thing so we get into the marshal's backstory and how he got his armor which is pretty cool so after the second death star's uh, destruction there was a hologram video of the bar i mean canteen and the bartender and in uh and him are just like you know celebrating that before they can finish some like gangster miners come in and start shooting up the place and taking it over so they take over to town. He runs away with one bag of crystals that he stole from one of the one of their speedsters as his ex exiting from the dark alleys back, you know, in the back. So he walks through the desert for days and days on end. And he was saved by, of all people, the Jawas. So the Jawas see this bag of crystals that he has. And apparently these are some expensive crystals. Them being miners, they could find all this, you know, this is what's good about being a gangster group or you know, click of miners. If you can defend yourselves, 
obviously you're miners. You can find all the expensive jewels, ores, and stuff and trade it for better weaponry. So it's a smart way to go about being a bandit is having resources, <laughs> which makes perfect sense for anybody who's trying to take over towns. So he agrees and he takes Boba Fett's armor. So I'm assuming it's the same Boba Fett's armor that was found in the Sarlacc pit. I mean, I'm assuming Boba Fett died, right? And uh, it, somehow the Sarlacc didn't digest his armor because it's made of Beskar. And it kind of like either burped it out or it just, you know, spit it out. And that's where the jaw was founded after the whole scenario of Return of the Jedi. So now we know the timeline of where this thing is. It's post Return of the Jedi. And here we got where he explained all this stuff. He's like, listen, this armor was the only way I was able to take down the miners. Single-handedly, he did, because Mandalorian armor is very strong. It can withstand a lot of uh, laser shooting. And also, it's the fact that, it, you know, he's a good shot. He just needs to protect himself. So he was able to wipe him out, like, with seven of his fingers, because he's a pretty good shot. Again, this guy's a sheriff. He's a marshal in town. Mind you, the marshal is actually the actor timothy oliphant from justified so they literally perfectly spot on casted the marshal for this role like he's literally just playing justified in space and i'm loving it so here we got the backstory and then we move on to where the mando bought the armor and a gun with crystals yeah yeah he talks about that then he stopped on their way to their prey dragon is a canyon a bunch of guard dogs just pop out of nowhere and try to stop them so the mandalorian speaks to the dogs in Tuscan. So he's giving dog commands in Tuscan and the dogs cease to attack. They'll then come out actual Tuscan raiders and you know they're all defensive but Mando can translate and tells them to calm down. Mind you the sheriff is blown away that Mandalorian's able to communicate because the Tuscans aren't exactly the most peaceful kind of people and they're also raiders. They want exactly what the mining raiders want to take all the resources. But they're like listen Right now, the enemy of my enemy, enemy of my enemies, my friend. It's one of those scenarios where, like, we're just teaming up temporarily, so we can, you know, make things work. So we're able to, you know, coexist until we can get rid of the bigger evil, which is this crate dragon that could eat anything. It's like having jaws or like something out of Dune. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's literally Dune, except it's only one one giant worm. Thank God. So, they want to kill the crate dragon, and they strike a deal and have a dinner by the campfire. So the marshal is handed a drink, but he refuses. And mind you, in many cultures, you refuse any kind of food, even a drink. It is insulting. And it's this is when a fight almost breaks out because the marshal doesn't really trust the uh, Tuscan Raiders. And I don't doubt him because they've raided his town before. So it makes perfect sense. So, but infusing this drink, he uh, even though it smells, he said, the Mandalorian had to like literally break up this fight that was gonna brew. It's like getting kind of ugly with his like flame blower wrist torch. And then he talks to them like, listen, if we keep fighting each other like this, nobody wins. So this is where we get in the history of the digestive um, the track of the crate Dragon. And it wasn't so hungry at one point because they set a Bamfa and a Tuscan Raider down. To, so they tied a Bamfa with a stake and a rope and he called for the crate Dragon. Crate Dragon didn't go for the Bamfa. He went for the Raider and, you know, he ate him and went back in his hole. So this is where the marshal uh, goes back goes back to his town to break it down that they have to join forces to beat the Kray Dragon. So a lot of things happen where he has to convince the town, I'm like, okay, I know the Raiders are bad people, but guess what? 
Right now, they can help us. And if we help them, they'll cease to raid us. At least they won't raid us anymore. And that way, we give, you know, coexist. And if anything, help each other out, which is true. So now you're making alliances. So that way, the Tuscan Raiders have defense in this town if they ever need to, and vice versa. And they're like, there will be always peace after this unless somebody strikes to start a war again between the two groups. So after heavy thinking, the town people are like, yes, let's do this. So they go off to the field where the Cray Dragon's cave is set up and do this elaborate plan to put charges in the ground and, and opening the cave to awaken. And it goes not to plan. I mean, a lot of people got lost on both sides. And this is where the marshal's like, I got the charge, let me blow it up. And the Mandalorian's like, no, wait till it's fully out so its belly can explode. And you have to time it correctly. So this whole thing is a huge scenario where they almost get it when they're shooting at it, but then he burrows in the ground and comes back out and then goes into the cave and spits acid. This thing is enormous and he's spitting acid, killing people left and right. So it's this big, immense battle. And then this is where Mandalorian has a plan, a very crazy plan. His plan is to hold this Banffa's bait and it's covered in some sort of charges. So what happens is Mandalorian gets swallowed whole with the Banffa. But then he, and the Kray Dragon goes under the sand and the people are all in shock. Like, oh my gosh, did he do this to like, you know, sacrifice himself so we are able to escape? Because they, they can't escape if this thing is, they're surrounded by sand. So it's a scenario where the Kray Dragon comes back up the charges let loose and this is where the actual charges that um he had like explosive charges fry charges blow up and then it kills the cray dragon so they take down the cray dragon they're celebrating and there's now a ceasefire among the tuscan raiders and the villagers of this town and now they can live happily ever after for now because this is you know ceasefire god knows if somebody wants something down the road so the marshal gladly hands over the mandalorian the armor back he's like listen man though it was so worth it and now we can go back to living our lives without the fear of this thing and there you go that was the episode that was literally verbatim what happened in shorthand and i loved it it was a great episode with great character introducing introducing a new character with a easter egg egg nod at boba fett so do we believe boba fett's dead i don't think he's quote-unquote dead but i do think it's because again, if you don't see a character getting killed on screen, he didn't really die. But then again, with Boba Fett, he kind of did get killed on screen. But did he? If the Mandalorian has these special charges that he could like expand the mouth of the Kray Dragon, who's to say Boba Fett doesn't have this same technology that he can put in the charge? But then again, I digress. It's getting too deep cut into the whole like theory thing. And again, so I'm assuming from this episode, Boba Fett died. His armor survived, and this is when, you know, what happened to its armor. So we know now that his armor has been taken by the Jawas, like they always do, and put into their giant, you know, tankard, and then traded for expensive crystals. Now the Jawas got more resources, and now, you know, the Marshal has his armor. And this is crazy, because he was just walking through the desert for days with no food and water, and he just so happened to find them out there, which is kind of scary to think what if the Kray Dragon found them before the Jawas did huh that would have been something but it's great to see that the Marshal can go back to living a normal life as a regular Marshal but now he's got to get some more armor if he ever gets company from outsiders again but yeah now the Mandalorian's on his way did he really get what he wanted not really he didn't actually get the Mandalorian he got 
Mandalorian armor. So if anything, he got more of a, what do I call, a red herring, a, a, you know, wild goose chase, sort of, but maybe a lead. Maybe he's going to help him get somewhere. Because now we're going to wait till this week for the new episode to drop and see where this story takes him. Seven more episodes left on season two. I can't wait for episode two. It's going to be awesome. I give this episode a 4.5 rating. It is that good. Beginning to end, it felt like a movie. It really had a complete arc. Beginning, middle, and end. The beginning, everyone hating each other. The middle, where everyone not agreeing, but somehow reluctantly teaming up to take out the bigger evil. And at the end of Celebration, it was a perfect Star Wars shorthand movie. And I like this because... Timothy Oliphant is an underrated actor who's really good at what he does. This is the man who played Agent 43 in The Hitman. He's played a lot of cool characters over the years, but he just has a presence of a guy that's like part scoundrel, part, you know, uh, good cop. So he, you know, rides the line of like someone who, who's seen some things. So he definitely comes off as a guy that's still hopeful for, you know, peace and justice and all this stuff. But at the same time, He's got to play the game in order to win. You need resources to win battles. It is what it is. And these miners outnumbered him. So now, with all the villagers actually standing up for themselves, anything is possible for them. They can feel more confident they can defend themselves against anybody and anyone that dares trouble them. This has been another fun, uh, exciting, new, different type of review. Uh, I'm glad I'm back to Star Wars again. And I'm glad that the season's dropping little by little. That way, I don't have to rush to put these out. So I'm excited to see where episode two takes us. And uh, this has been another CJR Media Review. I am the Puerto Rican powerhouse, Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary, Christian Joel Ramos, and uh, signing off until next time. And as always, this is the way.